around me are weirdos faces, snarky phrases, and strip mall spaces. I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The days I spend with Seymour are the best I've ever had. Everything is stupid, and everyone's so fake. So I troll my art teacher in circles. It's a very, very ghost world. Welcome to the Nostalgia Killers podcast, where we revisit films from our youth to see if they still hold up or should be inserted into the great DVD player in the sky. My name is Luke Lohned. I am joined by Chuck Storzinski. Hello, hello. And the great Taylor Diffenderfer. Hey! And we watched Ghost World. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Two comic book movies back to back. And uh, just to get it out of the way, our themed drink is celebratory champagne opened early. Seymour doesn't need it. It's totally fine. Yeah, it's fine. We do. <laughs> <laughs> they were bound to break up. He's going to ruin that somehow. <laughs> oh, jeez. Taylor, what's your uh, personal nostalgic experience to this film? Oh, man. Um, I loved this movie growing up. I I watched it with my girlfriends when I was the perfect age to watch it. Like, I'm guessing like 12, 13. And it resonated with me so much. Like, And a lot of this movie kind of still does because I think about my life back then and, and it just, I can still relate to so many different aspects of this movie. Just like kind of feeling like an outsider like it, and watching these girls who like were the most relatable to me as at that age. So it, it holds a special spot in my heart. Um, I was, I think, 24 when I finally saw it. I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it um, actually it was my first Netflix rental, like back when DVDs came in the mail. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I immediately connected with Enid. I mean, I'm, I've probably seen it 20 times. I've watched it over and over and over. And I, I connect with it deeply just because, yeah, I've never fit in anywhere. <laughs> the movie itself and the comic book just speaks to that. Much like Taylor, I also saw it when I was like 12 or 13. But uh, yeah, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't get it. I was not uh, self-aware enough for it. Um, I was like, hey, uh, it's like, these guys kind of suck. I don't understand how I'm supposed to relate to any of It's not like I'm like that. No, no, no. I'm totally fine. I'm, I'm great. I'm cool. But I revisited it when I was like probably 17 or so and liked it. Um, didn't truly come to appreciate it until I saw it like in my early 20s. And especially when I started actually reading uh, Daniel Close's comic books and like Charles Burns and like these kind of more outsider guys. And I also mm-hmm. really got into Todd Solondz and this movie feels like a Todd Solondz movie. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely a movie that I feel like I love it exponentially. Like every time I rewatch it and the further removed I get from my actual teenage self, the more I love it and the more I empathize and can relate to Enid and Rebecca. And also the older I get, uh, the more I start to like empathize a little bit more with Seymour. Not like in a, you know, I'm not going to defend Seymour at all, but the more I'm kind of like, oh yeah, he's, he's just a guy. He's just a sad guy trying to get by, man. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some quotes by Seymour that I'll get to that. I'm like, yeah, me too. Oh yeah. Uh, the opening of the film is very nostalgic for me. The the oh. dance bit, yeah, I, I can't help but dance to the to the music. And yes. like, I had to look up the the song itself, and I've watched the the music video a thousand times. Yes, me too. Yeah, it's yeah. This Infectious. opening scene, exact. I feel the same way. Like the moment this movie starts, and you hear the music, it's just like it all comes rushing back, and you're like, ah, oh, yes, it's just such a great, great way to start the film. 
Oh, yeah. Slowly tracking through the apartment complex, and you get to see everybody. You know, it's like that uh, little slice of every single neighbor's life, basically. And then you finally land on her. And it's also awesome because you get to see who she truly is deep down. So you get to empathize with her a little bit more because mm-hmm. she's actually got her guard down at the very beginning. She's actually dancing yeah. and having fun and just kind of letting loose and being herself. Yeah, and I, I empathize with everybody they they went by too. Exactly, <laughs> like the woman smoking out the window, dude. Yeah, the guy the, picking his fingers. The world, the world building in those few seconds. <laughs> oh, it's so good, Chuck. You've you've read the comics a little bit, right? I've read a bunch of Close's comic books and a bunch of stuff that they reference in this, but I haven't read this chunk of Eight Ball. Like, I actually haven't read Ghost World. Okay, uh, Taylor. No, oh, I okay. I never read the comics. I actually um, downloaded a PDF. Um, just to kind of skim through, but you know, when I knew that we were going to do this sure. podcast and well, now you, I, I'm, did, I want did more to work read. Than I, did, so. <laughs> I, I, well, I was so curious, you know, sure. and I had heard that it's more about the relationship between Enid and Rebecca and mm-hmm. that's what grabs me in this movie. And sure. I want more of that in this movie. So I was told to read the comics because that's what you know that's what it focuses on so i think i might continue reading it after this sure i was i was gonna ask i was curious how close it is to the comic books there are some things like well because i only started reading the beginning but Mm -hmm. one thing that they really nailed in the movie is the goth couple in the diner (laughs) they look just like the it's like they literally (laughs) took them out of the comic book and put them in the movie it's amazing That's incredible. That was apparently supposed to be Anton LaVey. It looks like Anton LaVey. It does LeVay. look like Anton, yeah, a lot. <laughs> they got a really good uh, double. They did. I don't know if it would have been weirder. I don't know, because like Anton was this huge deal. Yeah. As like the, the head priest of the, the satanic church. And I don't know, to like put him in a bit part in a movie might have lowered his stature. Yeah. It's... He was kind of flamboyant himself, too. I don't know if he would allow, have allowed himself to be exactly line in the movie. <laughs> Or at least just, like, have such a bit part. Like, I think, you know, because the goth couple don't really speak or anything like that. They're just, you know, there to be observed by the shitty teenagers. I I mean, I I, I would like to see Anton LaVey all in pink. Right. I mean, that would be fun. But I I like the lookalike. I think that. Oh, for sure. They did a great job. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. When When I read that bit of trivia, I was like, that makes sense. The graduation scene. And the dance. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's a so good, good contrast. I noticed that tonight, today, just watching it again, there's like this huge, great dance scene opening and then it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love the car crash valedictorian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he like, t- is like, you know, giving her a speech and just, yeah, it's like as if she's turned this beautiful new leaf. And I love the hard cut to like, and when they're at the dance, she's sitting there and there's like some like football player guy, like, Helping her get a hit of her flash. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. There's like her speech and then like panning over to to Enid and like Rebecca just like rolling their eyes. Like it's so good. Oh, dude, this movie perfectly captures like teenage misanthropy like so well, like so unbelievably well. Like I definitely didn't model it after, but definitely like there's a scene in this movie that I was like, oh, I did that. The second that, you know, they graduate and they're allowed to like throw their caps basically. Yeah. They both stomp their caps and flip the school off. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I remember doing that at my graduation. I did like pull it off and like stomp it and like good we're done couldn't wait to get out of there yeah exactly yeah i remember it being a very weird antiquated experience Mm -hmm. sitting down through one more forced assembly to graduate yeah 
they captured it perfectly. And then like the the dance, them swaying. I I remember that. <laughs> like just like in unison <laughs> swaying to this like ridiculous music. <laughs> and Enid like they're so like sarcastic and just like fuck this place. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to get out of here. And then Enid has that moment where she's like, "Oh, just think about it. We're never going to see I forget his name, but like that weird kid <laughs> eating the cake." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like she's like, "No, really. It's 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 kind of sad." And like yeah. there're still those moments, you know, even if you're just like fuck this place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This movie captures that perfectly. That just sort of like that very teenage not letting your guard down mm-hmm. for and then like the you let it down for a millisecond and then all of a sudden it's like no, 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 no. I, I was being ironic. I was kidding. It's totally fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking of things that perfectly encapsulates it also, it's like that post high school malaise and mm-hmm. sense of and we of just like, yeah, okay, what's next? Probably not going to go to college. Do I want to just dive you know, head first into a dead end job that I'm going to hate. Right. I guess I should move in with my best friend because that's what people do. People, you know, can't live with their parents forever. So they move in with people they know. Do I want to live with this person? I don't know. I'm just going to do it. What, yeah. what planet do these people live on where they can afford their own place out of high school? That's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably, uh, the planet of like 2001. Right. In like the middle of the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right at the, right at the end of 2001 in Iowa. It's like, oh yeah, you can do that. Yeah. At you can just get a job era. at a coffee shop and start renting right away. Jeez. I don't know. And like they seem like they're fairly well off. I mean, yeah. I don't think that they would. They're not worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, they've definitely got that like middle to upper class kind of vibe going the whole movie. They've been planning this, right? They're like, we're not mm. going to college. We're going to move in together. It's mm-hmm. going to be great. And Rebecca is like on that track. She's like ready for this. You know, she's she gets a job. She wants Enid to take it seriously. And I relate to that. But I also relate to Enid just being like, wait a second is this what i really want to do like yeah shit (laughs) that feeling of uncertainty and you know not knowing your purpose in life and stuff like that so it's even as something as simple as just like yeah just i don't know sign a year lease it's gonna be fine (laughs) but as a you know 17 year old 18 year old when you're graduating from high school you're like oh this is it i'm like locking myself away for an entire year i'm throwing my life away what if i I don't know if I'm going to like Rebecca in a year. I don't know. You know, yeah. what if I've been wanting to get out of this town my entire life and I'm just going to mm-hmm. stay here and commit for an entire year? Well, apparently Rebecca can handle the rent on her own. So exactly. I know. It's, it's not that high of a stake. But yeah, Rebecca's got her shit together, man. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this movie made me nostalgic for so many things. I know I could probably do it still as an adult, but it's not as fun. I miss reading misconnections on Craigslist. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> And also, why does every teenager go through a catfishing phase? Yeah. (laughs) Or at least like every teenager of this era. Like, I don't know. I just remember, you know, being a kid and one of the first online experiences I ever had was just like me and a buddy sitting down like, okay, we're going to going to fire up like instant messenger. We're going to go into this like chat kind of thing. And it was never like, hi, I am so and so I live in California and I am 13 years old. It's always like, hey. I'm Montel. I'm 37. <laughs> and South Carolina is just dandy. Wait, that was you? Yeah, it was. No. You're Montel? Also, South Carolina is just dandy. South Carolina is dandy. <laughs> the side characters in this movie, Enid and Rebecca, and we'll get to poor, poor Seymour shortly, but like, I could just watch a whole movie of the background characters mm-hmm. and the bit parts. Like, anyone who gets a speaking line of either 10 sentences or less. My favorite character in the entire movie. Sure. 
Like I love when they go roll into the diner and they meet uh, Weird, Al. <laughs> Weird Al. This is oh. my favorite inter- one of my favorite introductions ever. It's just it's got stringy hair and stuff. It's like oh, it's um, Al. Can we call you Weird Al? And then he pauses and he's like, I'd imagine so. I'd imagine <laughs> so. Like, I'd oh. imagine so. Yeah. Like, let's, yeah. I want to know Al's backstory. I love Al. I feel like I probably don't, but yeah. <laughs> Well, he enjoys his job later in the movie. He's rocking out yeah, oh, yeah. back in the in the line. So yeah, he's having a great time. I mean, you know, mullet guy. Oh, does he have a name? <laughs> mullet oh, guy. Doug. 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 Yeah. yeah. Doug. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah, I have him done. Uh, Dave Sheridan is the yeah. actor. Which also wow. that guy, uh, Dave Sheridan, auditioned with a mullet. Yes. That's yeah. how he got the part. Oh yeah. 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 He wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. He wasn't supposed to have lines. <laughs> uh, but the directors loved him. And then after this movie, um, I don't know if either of you saw, but he was in a Red Hot Chili Peppers video. Really? Oh, is he in the like the? He's the taxi driver for one. Yeah. Completely, completely based on this role in the movie. So wow. that, that's how he got that. I mean, he's talk about memorable moments like oh, that. Yeah. I've never forgotten him. It's America, he's just, dude, learn yeah. the rules. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's incredible. Um, it's, I've known several Dugs in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the art teacher for me. Uh, yeah, uh, I rewatched it again today, and the uh, the way she introduces herself is to show her student film. Yes, mirror father, father mirror. mirror father. <laughs> Can we talk about Mirror oh, please. Father? I want to see this movie. I want to see the entire thing. I think we did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we saw is pretty much the whole movie on loop. That's my theory. I don't know if there's much more than dolls, like parts of dolls getting thrown in a toilet. <laughs> you know? Dude, I fucking love Alana Douglas. She yeah. is perfect. Oh, So, Mirror Father Mirror. The so her name in the movie is Roberta Allsworth. Okay, she shows this film to the class, which is her film, and she she says, "I like to show this." She says, "I like to show it to people I'm meeting for the first time," <laughs> <laughs> which is just so telling. Like you know exactly who she is the moment you meet this mm-hmm. art teacher. And I actually paused the movie last night and wrote this down. It's Mirror Father Mirror by Roberta Ellsworth, and it says, This film was made possible by generous donations from the Federation for the Advancement of Mature Women in the Arts, the Struggling Artist Foundation, the Why Not Me Project, and Dr. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. and Mrs. Theodore Ellsworth. That's awesome. That, and that was like the title screen. Of, that was the title the screen I never noticed before. Yeah, me neither. Wow. Yeah. That's it, awesome. It's perfect. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's fucking great. Dude, Daniel Close hates art school with a burning passion. There's a whole other film that he ends up actually coming out with, the whole art school confidential. I haven't read Ghost World, so maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but like a lot of stuff they kind of just cherry pick because I'm sure they didn't re- think that they were ever going to make art school confidential. Right. So there's a lot of cherry pick stuff like that out of there. But I didn't take, like I wasn't in an arts class like that, like a visual arts class, but I had a lot of friends that were, all my friends were in these classes sure. that the way they talked about it and whenever I'd go in there to visit them, it was like this class like i feel like it it was very similar (laughs) i I feel like i was cheated as a child because i wasn't allowed to take art i never i never got to experience this wow so i'm I'm curious like is was this a real representation or there's no tampon in a teacup for you no 
this is what you're missing. Yeah, I guess so, right? This is an art school confidential. I mean, it's obviously like to an extreme. Like she's just such a terrible art teacher, you know? Like <laughs> she she's awful. I mean, you know, she's looking at what's, Enid's. What's, what's a good art 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 teacher though? Someone like, who's not going to be like, oh, that's a nice drawing oh, with yeah. no substance. Look at this, she everybody. Called them, she called them cartoons. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Which I'm sure there are art teachers that are like that, just not as like obvious as sure. she was you know a little, a little more uh tact yeah i feel like they always have their favorite you know yeah, yeah. exactly there there's just some of us that are more gifted than others <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the behind the scenes um interview i saw with her she kind of walked in, into the project not knowing what it was so she kind of like i think embellished in, in her own way she got the the chance to be the the things she pictured and wanted uh, she stole the picture for me like completely different movie this art class is a completely different movie mm-hmm. from everything else that happens in ghost world so yeah just loved it she, yeah she's like putting on these airs and then it, i love in the the scene in the, the actual art show where she's talking to she must own the place and she's just you can tell her she just hates this woman and yeah. like she's just like oh look at this and that and then she sees her and she's like oh hey like <laughs> <laughs> this bitch <laughs> uh I have to display this uh, racist caricature from a chicken shop Ugh. because, yeah, not to jump ahead, but yeah, just staying on the art teacher. Like, I do love that Enid's just like, oh, like, wait a minute. Not, none of my actual artistic endeavors are real or matter to this woman. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just grab this random thing and, you know. To, to be pretentious on purpose. Exactly. Almost, yeah. and just tackle on a story wins. at the end of the day and that's all that. And it's kind of the same thing with, I don't know, that's kind of the art world in general. Yeah. Is just like. It's not the piece of art. It is the story behind it. Yeah. And it's totally working her. She, oh, she yeah. knows that this is going to get her in, you know? And what I noticed today too, watching it again, she actually has like this eyeball rivalry with the other woman in her class. Oh, yeah. And it's like the teacher's obviously favoring this other uh, mm-hmm. woman. And there's this whole subtext just with eyes, mm-hmm. just with them glaring at each other. Like <laughs> who's winning the attention from the teacher? I, I didn't think I didn't take Enid to care that much. But she like totally she does care. That's what's yeah. so relatable about Enid is that she acts like she doesn't care, but she mm-hmm. fucking cares. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like the when she dyes her hair green one, she OK, so that's one of my moments. But like she dyes her hair green, I think after they're, uh she's talking to Rebecca and Rebecca's like, let's just we have, look to, we nice. have to look preppy. Yeah. In order to get- and so it's like fuck that yeah. dye my hair green like, and like then no time in between just straight cut yep. in the movie yeah. to the green yeah Boom. which was great yeah and then she dyes it back to black after like she gets razzed by yeah. one so, yeah. yeah who she fucking hates but he's just like yeah punk's not a thing anymore yeah. and she's just like punk rock's over yeah yeah <laughs> you know and she's just like it's a 1977 punk rock look you know and rebecca's like yeah i didn't get it either and she immediately dyes it back yeah. to black. She's yeah. like, Ugh. like she can't, she can't hack it. You know, like it, these things do affect her. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, she's definitely super, you know, it's, it's just that teenage thing of being super freaking insecure. Yeah. And then it's like, if anyone calls you on your shit, you have to lash out too. That's the whole totally. 1970s thing. It's like, well, obviously you're the fucking idiot because yeah. uh, if you had done <laughs> any kind of research, you would know that this is actually like, it's more, I'm, it's retro chic. It's not punk. It's Yeah. And uh, when she when she does dye her hair back, that's the moment she discovers the song. Yes, yeah. very very pivotal point. I, I like I identified with that a lot in this film. Me too. And um, after watching this film, I kind of started looking for more obscure music myself. Yeah, and it led to this whole lifestyle of 
listening to the weird stuff that nobody knew about so totally i i mean oh man i just relate to Enid so much but like she's listening to the buzzcocks mm-hmm. i which i love and i was listening to at that same time that i watched this movie and then i also like had a phase where i was getting really really into blues and obscure blues and i loved skip james and that song in the movie is a song i fucking love and like it just it makes sense like her like turning off the buzzcocks putting on this record that song plays and it just like grabs her instantly Mm -hmm. and it's like yes i've been there i know that feeling you know oh yeah it's also probably the moment that's that moment that kind of lets her relate more to seymour and not see him as Mm -hmm. just this mean joke that we're gonna pull on this poor dude she has that moment of like letting her guard down listening to this blues song which you know probably wasn't her thing prior it's like oh and like seeing someone else's side for just one second Mm-hmm. And also seeing what it's like when it's like a Seymour's, you know, a huge dork. And it's like, oh, this guy is a huge dork. Doesn't care that he's a huge dork. He likes what he likes and wears what he likes on his sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's like, oh my God. This is, I, yeah. I see the appeal oh, yeah. with Seymour, like, and Enid. There's more to this relationship I'd like to get into. <laughs> sure. He's not just a dork. He's a fucking, like, he's an outsider. Yeah. He's a weirdo, oh, just like her. You know, he's interested in things that other people aren't interested in. And that's Enid, too, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, I can see how she's really relating to Seymour and, like, sure. getting into, you know, mm-hmm. she when she goes into his record room at the party and she's like, this is my dream room, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I, I would have followed Steve Buscemi into a weird room like that. For oh, sure. absolutely. <laughs> okay. oh, man. Great casting. So good. Yeah. Per- really good casting with Steve Buscemi, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Either read it or listened to somebody talk about it. He he was kind of bummed about being this character. He felt less cool. So like as soon as as soon as they wrapped, he would change into like street clothes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> they, like, it like brought him down to be Seymour. Or maybe even like, yeah, it brought him down, but maybe not necessarily. I mean, I don't know if it was. I can't speak for Buscemi, you know, um, but it could even just be that he's taking the role into it's just like, oh, it's like this guy who can't move on, can't let go. Right. Stays hyper fixated mm-hmm. and focused and just kind of like shuts the world out. Mm-hmm. Like many things, you know, only the true, pure love of a child can. Uh... No. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but I think maybe that's what he's like. Yeah. Washing off because that's pretty fucking icky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's like, I don't want to be, I don't want people to be like, hey, Seymour, when this movie comes out, it's like, no, I'm going to change into my super cool Steve Buscemi street clothes and be super cool Steve Buscemi. Yeah. But yeah, growing up is fucking tough. Like, Rebecca's slowly outgrowing Enid. Yeah. Like, that arc is so fucking good. It's mm-hmm. so heartbreakingly relatable, too. And that's why I wish there was more of that in the movie. I wish yeah. there was more Rebecca in this movie because I love their relationship. I have been in a very similar relationship where, I like, I, not quite the same, but I felt like the Rebecca to the Enid. And yeah, Sometimes exactly. the Enid right. to the Rebecca. Like, I've been in all those relationships and especially, like, having female, like, female relationships are not portrayed like this in film. Very like, this agreed, was, yeah. like, super relatable for me and I think that's why this movie really pulled me in because um, it's always, like, oh, we're best friends and we've known each other forever and nothing could go wrong. It's like, no, that's not how it is. Like you grow apart sometimes and it's fucking heartbreaking. And watching that happen between these two friends is hard, but it's real. Oh, it's so real. Yeah. Yeah. The scene uh, when they kind of have their fight and 
you know, uh, they're both like, I mean, Rebecca's like in the right. She's just like, you're shitting all over everything. And like, you've ignored me since high school and Enid's being defensive, you know, and she's just like, you're delusional. And, and afterwards you see Enid just sobbing in her bed. She knows that she was wrong to it, but she also like, you know, she's kind of speaking her truth at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I just like, my heart was breaking for her. I was like, (laughs) oh girl, I get it. And then her freaking dad comes in. Enid's that like, yeah, I see both sides of the coin, but it's like Enid's definitely that very toxic friend that is like, they're going to have a bad day. You're definitely going to have a bad day as well. And if they're feeling kind of, you know, in a rut or stuck in their life, then it's like, oh, the fact that you're growing or changing anything about yourself is seen as a negative trait and just, you know, completely just steamrolled over basically by it's like, oh, well, it's like, I guess, I guess we're not friends anymore. Right. It's like, what are you talking about? No, I'm. I'm working. <laughs> I'm uh, working towards a goal that you said we were both chasing. And, and you're wearing a Catwoman mask. Yeah, exactly. You're spending potential rent money on like a vintage BDSM Catwoman mask. Yeah. Well, and that's like, yeah, that you like, there are so many like little moments, like even though she, Rebecca's not in the movie very much, like I think the movie does a good job at like putting in these moments where you understand why they're growing apart and like that moment when she goes to the sex shop without rebecca that's a fucking betrayal man rebecca is upset about that and i would be too i've had so many (laughs) moments like that where i'm like oh you did this thing we've always wanted to do together without me like fuck you You don't think that i myself haven't had you know the opportunity it's a sex shop we're both 18 we can go to a sex shop you think that i didn't go because i was grossed out no 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 I didn't go because I was waiting for you, yeah. my guy. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. It's, and that, yeah, that whole moment is weird because, like, she's, like, asking Seymour to take her because they haven't found a boy to take, which I kind of get, you know? They're still young and, yeah. like, they don't want to go in just by themselves, you know? I'm a grown man. I don't like going into those places. <laughs> yeah. like, no, it's also, yeah. It, it is a bunch of creeps. It's like, there's a guy at the, at the desk eating a sandwich very very weird place to have lunch in front of customers in a tank top i don't get it hey man are you gonna are you gonna just uh put up the be back in five sign in that store i don't think so i think you gotta man the desk the entire time you know what i guess so there's a there's a duty involved maybe i can respect that exactly but no it's yeah that's also it's yeah i remember the novelty of that thing of like oh we're gonna go to a uh, quote-unquote porno story right. that's crazy you know it's it's very fun watching them and i mean this in the most P, like pc way possible because i realized doing that little voice of oh going to a porno store um <laughs> isn't the easiest transition but it is fun watching the like it's good seeing scenes like that because it does help reiterate the fact that they are literal children becoming right. adults right right and so you have that kind of very childish a childish approach to something as mundane as a sex shop or you know as quote-unquote taboo as a sex shop she's just you know a couple years of uh jaded adult day in day out life of like oh yeah it's um porno star i don't know (laughs) yeah i can go in i don't have to (laughs) but also they really capture that too like of just that sheer boredom that you have as a teenager like the whole reason that they fuck with seymour to begin with and mm-hmm. follow yep. through with the personal ad and all of that is yeah. because it's just like yeah when you're a kid you're you, you're not allowed to do anything so yeah. you're just like okay well now they can finally go into this adult store but it's like i don't know maybe like 
two months ago, I couldn't even do something as mundane as that. Neither of them have a vehicle that we see in the movie, at least. You know, they get rides from Josh everywhere. So it's just like, can't drive, can't dull my senses by any means with like alcohol or anything like that. Can't leave this town, can't what torture are you gonna a do? middle-aged dude. Yeah, what else are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like follow the goth couple, like exactly. find out where they're going, like yeah. bother Josh at work, who like is... <laughs> annoyed but just goes along with it you know i love josh too i love josh he reminds me of so many people i knew growing up too it's like i mean we ended up becoming friends but never ever started out as my friend they were always like these tag along acquaintances that i knew in my teens and early 20s where it was just like i need to go to the mall or i need to go to target like with you run an errand and it's like why is why is troy here (laughs) didn't have anything to do and then troy's there and he doesn't want to go to the mall or go to target or like go to the park or any of that but he just does it because it's like yeah i don't know we're 16 what am i supposed to do right like of course i'm gonna hang out with you and tag along to the mall mm-hmm. even though it's fucking terrible you know i don't want to do this but yeah. i'm gonna do it of course i'm gonna give you a ride to yeah. the creepy audiophile uh hangout party which <laughs> oh kids <laughs> kids shouldn't go to audiophile parties man that was <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty clear from I the know. beginning yeah that was so fun I also don't remember David Cross being in this at all. Right? Yeah. Oh, let alone playing with something being a creep. creep. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Him, yeah. No. Him hitting on Rebecca <laughs> is so <laughs> gross because she's clearly a child. Yeah. Like, yeah exactly. <laughs> and he knows that she's. It's just. Yeah. Yuck. And then Enid fucking leaves her on the couch. I She's know. Like, bad friend move. I also mean, very relatable, though, as I like bad friend moves. Totally. I've definitely experienced that and seen that, too. Where it's like, <laughs> oh, this is the one of the most uncomfortable things I think I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Why are you? No, 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 no. Why are you going to the kitchen? <laughs> yeah. Come back. <laughs> oh, that's also a fun quote that I have from where Seymour is in the kitchen, speaking of the kitchen, and he's talking to some dude who's perusing his records and he's like well i can't buy that because it has an enlarged hole here also do you see these tight cracks yeah and then Enid just like skates up like almost borderline sitcom she's like ah what's about these uh what's going on with these uh, enlarged holes and tight cracks huh (laughs) (laughs) she's witty she's very funny i I really love Enid. Mm -hmm. uh we got some cameos uh speaking of david cross we got uh matt doherty video store employee yes kid from the mighty ducks oh he's also heed in um so i married an axe murderer okay he actually has a line in the movie says is there anything i can interest you ladies in oh, okay. that's him he's got one line he's in the back <laughs> and then uh bob balaban is the dad oh he's so good. really great casting i i don't know him. if it's written in the comic book this way but he's that is the most ineffectual father uh-huh. writing i've ever seen and it is amazing yeah that is he's almost like afraid of his own daughter you know they like, do not communicate at all even no. though they talk to each other i don't know where the, i don't know what happened to her mom but like that's the relationship they have is they hate each other they don't care enough to say it yeah i don't know if like hate is the right word but it's just like he is not equipped to raise <laughs> this like teenage girl who's going through all this shit like he's just like Oh, oh, my, oh yeah, my favorite, my favorite scene is he walks in and he just walks out. Just mumbling, retreats. you know, like soft-spoken, like, hey, honey. And she's just like, ugh. <laughs> but he's in um, a lot of Wes Anderson films, and he's just been around. Yeah, he's someone I recognize from a lot of movies, but I can't tell you mm-hmm. from what. Yeah, he does a really good blending in the background. <laughs> oh, uh, Best in Show. Yes, best yeah. in show. Those, okay. That that troop as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, Maxine. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, speaking of, yeah, just ineffectual, like, yeah, I know you're Garner. going through a lot, and uh, a change in our household would really probably shatter your entire world. Right? But, uh, you remember Maxine? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole, also, also pretty relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had. Uh, She's great, too. Terry I love Terry Gar. Yeah. We're, we're going to do Mr. Mom. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't. Okay. You've seen it, right? Like, ages ago. Yeah. I need, like, a refresher. Well, that's what the show's about. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, she's great in that. She's... So, Mr. Mom, I'll, I'll explain it just a little bit. It's a... What's his name? Batman. Um, Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton and Terry Garr. They're in a normal nuclear family. But then Michael Keaton loses his job. But Terry Garr gets a better job. So, he becomes the mom of the house. And he's, like... That sounds like fun. It is. It's a fun. It's a fun movie. I'm, I'm really anxious two. to watch it again because I haven't seen it. I, I, like Chuck, like I've probably since the '80s. Yeah, I haven't watched it. No, I haven't but, watched it since I was a small child. And also, it's one of those that I get confused with something that I've seen a hundred times. Uh, Mr. Mom, I always confuse with Mr. Nanny. Oh yeah, which very, is the whole very, very similar. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a double feature and have I would duke, love to. duke it out. Like, <laughs> oh my god, see which one's better. We can do a whole season of. Uh, Hey, you know this guy? Like, wouldn't it be funny if we just threw him in a room full of children? Let's put this professional wrestler in a tutu. Exactly. See what it looks Let's like. Let's put these two yeah. uh, twin bodybuilders together. Like, they'll watch kids. <laughs> Vin Diesel's between gigs right now? Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Make him the pacifier. <laughs> but uh, Terry Gar in this, very short. I, I, was, I remember her being in this much more. A short but effective. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's, just, a fan, she's a fantastic actor. She was great. I mean, everything she's been in. I love her. Yeah. I love her and everything. Yeah. But just that moment of her like eating, being like, oh, you know, can't, I, I, I don't know the line, but yeah, she's yeah. just like, you know, I can't help but feel like I had an influence on the way you turned out. And it's just like <laughs> this bitch. <laughs> she also is, yeah, really good at sticking the knife in with the whole like, again, touching on that, you know, oh, okay, like, so I graduated high school. What's next? Uh, do I want to go to art school? No, that seems expensive and mm-hmm pretentious and yada yada i don't know what i'm gonna do with my life and it's just like oh sweetheart i haven't seen you since you were a little girl and you're so grown up now you're out of high school you must be so excited to be doing everything with your life right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah things are great yeah yeah as as a child of uh divorced parents having new possible mothers and fathers walk into the scene i related to that very well You, you realize that they're adults and they're friends but you don't want them to be part of their family hey you know someone replacing a parent like potentially yeah. but it's also just that thing of like the rougher one is like the b-side of the coin of just like seeing your parents or like guardians as like oh these are human beings yeah so it's like oh it's like this person's kind of shitty <laughs> but you know what like my parent or guardian is like they're just trying to get by they're lonely just like everybody else right. so it's like maybe they can't see everybody's flaws or whatnot and just you know having this or just like oh like maybe <laughs> Maybe they're not the god I've always made them out to be in my mind. Maybe it's like, oh, maybe they deserve Maxine. Like I- <laughs> <laughs> um, she does a really good job of oh, coming yeah. off as gross in this movie, I think. Oh, everyone does. Oh, my God. Everyone is so fucking good in this movie. And not to break away from Maxine, we can get back under her, but I'm done. I think we've said it. <laughs> I got I to gotta talk about him. He's one of my favorite bit characters in the entire movie. The fucking wheelchair-bound coffee customer. Oh, okay. oh yeah. <laughs> yep, I, yep. He is so fucking good. Oh, I was just going to say, he is actually, like, a little trivia kind of thing. He 
is his own comic. So like, again, because they were just kind of shoehorning some David Close, like little short stories and stuff in there. Because they're like, I don't know if we're going to get to make another one of these ever again. Yeah. But he has his own little bit. I think it's only like two pages or so. Uh, but it's called Feldman. And because he's Feldman, it's just like a day in the life of Feldman, basically. And it is exactly this scene. <laughs> like, it's just oh. oh my god. like, I love the idea of just like coming up to the coffee shop that you come to every day. I love, I just love the entire interaction so much. Like, I love Re- like Rebecca just seeing him and readying the free coffee just because she knows emotions. what's about to happen. And then he rolls up and he's like, um, excuse me, I can't see the trivia. <laughs> and then reads it and then cheats on his laptop. <laughs> Cheating on free trivia is just like, <laughs> One of the most pathetic, like, below a sin things you could totally. fucking do on planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone, it's probably one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen committed to film. Yeah. That's so good. I also love the question. <laughs> he just types it, and then he's like, oh, very interesting. Yeah. And he's like, ah, oh, it's, uh, I have the quote, because it makes me die laughing every time. I know where that is. Slightly below the uterus. On a female. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he, like, pauses, and then, like, and it's also like uh, it's icky all over because it's like it's yeah, it's, <laughs> ugh, yeah. Oh, okay so that does kind of transition to one nitpick a bit i have about mm-hmm. this movie you know and and i don't think i don't know if this is like dated or whatnot and it's kind of they pull it off a little bit because you just hate this guy he's such a uh, like yeah anyways um Rebecca's whole comment after the fact of like, oh yeah, he doesn't even need that wheelchair. He's just like faking it, you know, which is like, it's such an ableist thing to say. It it is actually hurtful and like does not age well for me, even though like she could be totally fucking right. And I wouldn't put it past this guy. Like it, so it kind of fits. Like I'm not even that mad about it, but I just like, it hit me. It's something I never thought about until the rewatch. And I was like, ooh, like, all right, maybe not, <laughs> you know? Yeah, all the like kind of more cancel stuff in this movie, like the ableism there with that. There's the whole um, it's very early 2000s, like your gay culture. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And then there's also like a bit where um, the guy who the asshole who basically gets Enid to re-dye her hair by calling her out for not being punk like he's. <laughs> Constantly picking on her for being Jewish, too. Yeah, and that's in the comic books. Yeah, exactly. Too. That's what yeah. I was going to say is, like, it's... I feel like a lot of it is, like, not to defend any of that, but I feel like a lot of it is just, like, it's in the comics, in, but not in a fun way. It's in the comics no. as, like, more of a slice of life. Like, yeah, like, this is just what happens. This is totally. what happens. Like, people are going to pick on you for being overweight in a wheelchair and, you know, comment that you don't need it and stuff like that. And then also the whole everything that they say too that is shitty or backbiting or anything like that it just helps really make them feel teenage more than anything too like i'm like yes like there's the whole bit where they go to hang out with josh and he's not home and so they write like this whole like hey dude like we're two hot sexy ladies who came here to totally fuck your brains out but i guess you're like fucking gay dude so you're not home do to do to do kind of thing and it's Mm -hmm. like yeah, that's just what a 16-year-old would do. It's true, though. Like, yeah. I'm not even mad about it because, like, it, like I just want to acknowledge it. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. But, like, oh, yeah, sure. the, like, the ableist and, like, the homophobic, like, language, like, it's not meant to be hurtful. And it's shit that I think we've all fucking said when we were kids because exactly. we didn't the, know. You know, it's like it, it's still relatable because it's like, yeah, that's how these fucking kids would talk. Yeah. You know? 
the the word I wrote down is juvenile. This is like a very yeah. juvenile. Oh yeah, a sense of sense of humor and yeah, yeah. It's it's like almost I I don't want to say innocent, but that's like a perfect representation of a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast. Looking back at these old movies, the things we used to laugh at, the things we used to just say without flinching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, like a perfect representation of the age you're supposed to do that. Exactly. <laughs> I think, yeah. And like, I think that's what makes like any rough part in this movie a little easier pill to swallow is that it's like, okay, yeah, these are kids right. going through this. Whereas it's like touching back on like rush hour as like the problem I had with like all the uh, Asian hate stuff with Chris Tucker. It's like, Chris Tucker's like 30 when he made that movie. So he knows better. <laughs> Even if it was like quote unquote different time, like he's fucking 30. Yeah. Would this be a good time to talk about the Cook's chicken painting? Yeah, as long oh, as we're on it. For sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, just because we're kind of veering that's, on that subject. and One of the proudest things I have about this movie, like that it brought it up, that it used it. Interesting. I feel a different way about it. I just, I feel like it's not the right group of people. I don't know what statement they were really trying to make and sure. uh, how effective it was. And I don't think if they were trying to make an anti-racist statement with this bit in the film, I don't think it was effective and I don't think they're the right people to be doing it. Okay. Um, and like the one, she, I don't want to hesitate to call her a character because she's just like the token like black student in the art class right. like the one thing she has to say is it's not right yeah and it's like really that's what we're that's it not very like not very given her a chance to yeah say something. and yeah. like i i don't think it's egregious but like it yeah it, it just doesn't fully age well for me it's like okay. oh you, like this isn't the right group of people to be trying to make this very vague statement oh uh, yeah i can totally see that yeah the the thing I, I I said proud, but like the thing I like about it is that it's historically accurate and it was it sure. exists for real outside of this film. Oh yeah, for and sure. It, and it was like they didn't just make it up for the movie. If they did that, I would totally be on your side. Oh, that's what. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is something that should be called out. It it is you know whether or not they they did it artfully or well it, it is up to opinion, but they they did it. I don't know. I I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of people calling out old racism. Yeah, and like. It works, too, because Enid is so, like, she doesn't really care. She doesn't care that she's she kinda, making a fucking statement. She stumbled statement. into it. Yeah. yeah, and, like, that works for her character. She's yeah. like, oh, this is shocking. This is going to get me, you know, credits. It, it <laughs> like, won her little eyeball fight in the art class. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of shitty that it's just used as a pawn, basically. Sure, um, yeah. My favorite quote in the whole movie of about that though and one of my favorite quotes in the whole movie is um people still hate each other they just know how to hide it yeah which is like yeah i thought it was slightly insightful especially for the 2000 i agree because we saw everything that happened afterwards yeah yeah and also yeah touching on there's a not fun piece of trivia but touching on what luke was saying to um the coon chicken inn was a real restaurant chain um they had a bunch of locations in portland oregon of all places surprise surprise I'm not. I know I'm not. Uh, <laughs> and Salt Lake City, Utah was like, yeah. those were their two right. big hits. I've, I've lived all over this country and some of the most racist people I've met are in Portland and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fucking bizarre. Well, the whole state is. And uh, California too. <laughs> California is real bad. Yeah. 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 From, I'm with families from the desert. There's a bunch of neo-Nazis out there. Yeah. Like, not that my family's neo-Nazis. I just want to <laughs> put that on record. I also think that you guys both made good points that it's really interesting. 
Should I just talk into it? Yeah, talk into Mike. Yeah. I think that Luke and Taylor both made really strong points because I feel like bringing up this historical context is super interesting and shouldn't be ignored. But Enid's basically doing for her own self-interest, and that's the part that Very much. me the wrong way. Yeah. So it is interesting seeing it and then also seeing her be a little douchey about it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And yeah. I almost like, I kind of like that Enid's doing this because it fits her character to do that. I just like, it, the director and the staff, like it's a whole, cr- like the crew, the writer, like the people who are doing this movie are all white. So like, yeah, it's more like, they're not the right people to be telling the story, much. but it still fits in the story, you yep. know? Yep. Uh, speaking of uh, favorite quotes from uh, Seymour, but I can't relate to 99% of humanity. Mm. Yep. Same. <laughs> I mean, you know, at least at the time I, <laughs> when I was younger, that was my whole vibe. And Seymour saying it, it, it just, it feel like it really rings true to his character. <laughs> oh man. I love Seymour's like, I wouldn't even call it a date. It's more or less uh, his Seymour's one outing of the year, basically. <laughs> to, uh, it almost becomes a date for half a second, but uh, his one outing of the year to go see some blues music. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. That's I love that scene so much. Yeah. Like more as on the rewatch than I think I I did back when I first saw this film. I love. Uh, yeah. Enid like kind of lassoing someone a little bit like oh you gotta meet this guy he's super cool he loves blues and then the second she sits down he just starts mansplaining music <laughs> subgenres to her totally. like the least oh, sexy God. thing you can yes. do on planet earth especially like just like yeah it's like no just get past three sentences before you start well I don't know if I would call that blues that's more rock and roll it's, it's like ragtime actually exactly and then oh. it goes, it jumps right into further cultural appropriation with the rock, with the rock band. Yeah, exactly. Oh like you have the actual stealing the blues, blues. hammer. Wow. <laughs> wow. Perfect. Really? Like that, that can't be a real band. Like, cause it, it I don't think they, so. I think it was, they uh, were for parody. sure parodying. Yeah. yeah like I'm pretty yeah. Sure it was parody. <laughs> and I, they're I doing a so. great job. The, the, around that time, that's when a lot of those, a lot of the bands were doing that. Though. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rock and roll has always done that since yeah. the beginning of rock and roll. But the resurgence of things like Eric Clapton, another white British guy appropriating blues music, he was insanely popular in the 90s. This is normal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Also, though, like, and I'm not defending Blues Hammer, um, but they do fucking rock. Um, <laughs> but does. Shut your fucking mouth. Does Seymour just flat out hate fun, too? Because it's like he's got this, like, yes. woman who is actually, you know, willing to engage him in a discussion about a topic that he's kind of into. Yeah. I mean, that he's very into. I mean, she's kind of into. I should rephrase that. Um, and it's just like the fact that she's enjoying something that isn't his exact stream of the broad topic of blues or music or rock and roll or what have you like just just learn to let go seymour sure he can't let go though i know <laughs> I, think should, I think he starts to a little bit he starts the, to yeah. With, yeah with dana he actually does start to like compromise with exactly. jeans and that yeah. that makes more sense like the yeah. whole scene at the blue like i could totally see both sides there like i felt for seymour in that moment oh, where yeah. he was yeah. just like I fucking hate everything about this. Like no one's appreciating the good, like the actual blues musician. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And then I, I relate with her being like, man, this guy is a fucking bummer. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was not a good match. No, but I, yeah, and I can see both sides of the coin as well. Like I've definitely gone to shows where I'm like super excited to actually see the opener. No one gives a shit. And then all of a sudden it's like the headliner comes on and it's not exactly my taste. And everyone just like finally stay, you know, everyone's standing around with their arms crossed. And all of a sudden it's like all hell breaks loose when you know society chain stands up and takes the stage and i'm like oh, dude, fuck society change like you guys no like what about like these guys were way more talented okay fine but i never get like i thought you're gonna drop a real name there man no i stalled i was like <laughs> oh but speaking of seymour uh oh, the birthday scene is so fucking good Mm-hmm. Hurting your lower back. I know. Your birthday candle. So it's just like. Was there ever a stronger metaphor? I know. Dude, the moment. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, oh, you are like a, in your 40s. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you're not on the same wavelength no. at all. <laughs> like, it does not matter. It's so how... clear in that moment. Doesn't matter how old of a soul Enid is or how quote unquote mature for her age she is. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 you guys are <laughs> two totally different spectrums here. Yeah. Can we talk about the Seymour Enid relationship? Yeah. <laughs> get into the icky stuff. Okay. <laughs> I so like I get it in a way, but like like I think they did a really good job. Like Enid's an old soul. Mm-hmm. But it's so clear watching this movie as an adult. It's like, yeah, sure, you're interested in things that an older generation might be more interested in, but you're clearly not developed in that way. Like you are trying to figure out who you are, that you're at that moment, mm-hmm. you know, and like Seymour fucking knows who he is. Like, he, oh, yeah. yeah, like he is settled into his life and I can see the appeal of Enid and like I can see I like their friendship in a way and I think I was a little bit I I just didn't realize how many times like kind of from the beginning Seymour was like interested in her romantically yeah it's it's pretty yeah there's no being around the bush it's icky for sure um yeah it's definitely it's icky but realistic that's my that's one of the only ways i'll (laughs) defend it (laughs) is it is one of those things where they're because at the end of the day they're both just looking for someone who will pay attention to them and accept them for who they are Yeah. yeah And so it's like, you know, both of them are just basically like they become attracted because it's like, oh, you're the one person who's listening to me right now. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like he's like grooming her at no, all. No, no, no. But it it is like, I don't know. I was like surprised to see like how many times like, you know, him asking about Josh, like, oh, is that is that your boyfriend? And like, <laughs> like her mentioning Josh at the birthday party and him like clearly being bummed out and like yeah. all this stuff. It's like, oh, like, cause in my head, the way I remember it, it's like, oh, they're friends, which I kind of like, yeah, there's some ickiness with like being, you know, that old and having like being friends with a kid basically. But like if from the beginning, he was kind of romantically interested in her and like, even says it, you know, like when she's like, why aren't you interested in me? And he's like, well, I never thought a beautiful young woman like you would be interested in me, a guy like me, you know? Yeah. And it's like, uh, icky, <laughs> icky Seymour. Like, and he's just, yeah. I was really surprised that it went as far as it did. Like, I remember the first time I was watching it, I was like, whoa, what? Uh, uh, yeah. Because I did not read it as going that way. 
Oh. No, I was bummed out that they hooked up, but I was also excited for the movie in the sense of like, okay, the movie's like not pulling any punches. They're right. just going for it. Like, they're like, oh yeah, like, because this is what would happen if uh, yeah. <laughs> just unaccompanied, like, she's not I, in defense of the movie, not in defense of Seymour, but in defense of the movie, she's not a minor, but still it's like an unaccompanied minor <laughs> hanging out with some 40-year-old dude all the time, yeah. and then it's like, you know, and they form a bond and all that fun stuff so it's like yeah of course they end up actually having sex oh yeah and enid is the you know she i understand where she is at and why she wants to have sex with seymour and like why she is attracted to seymour and like she goes over there and she's the one who's really facilitating this and like i don't know there's a it just makes sense in a way and then like the immediate aftermath Oh yeah, it's instant cringe. Like yeah. fuck, and that was very, very relatable too. It's like you know, you know that she's like, she instantly has made this huge mistake, and he's fucking delusional about it, and is just like, oh, do you mean all that stuff about you yeah, moving that's... in? And that's where the tides just fucking turn, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, Seymour is like completely delusional yeah. completely delusional and so stuck in his stuck in a rut and stuck in his own old ways and whatnot that he like sees her as his last chance kind of in a way yeah. like it's like oh you're my like you're my island in this ocean that i've been drowning in forever it's like oh you you get me and not only do you get me but you're young and beautiful <laughs> it's like, yeah he really like he's so sympathetic Oh, throughout yeah. the film and then he just like quickly nosedives like mm-hmm. you yeah. know and he's he, he, like, like calling her immediately calls calls it off with dana or has yeah. like oh, that was that, oh that's the that one was, of the biggest bummers the entire movie yeah is. that that like uh, the first time i watched it i was trying to understand what was going on and i didn't realize until later that he was trying to end the relationship with the woman near his age that was actually going well right which is also like one of the biggest bummers too is like kind of realizing like did he even like Dana to begin with? Or was this a, he was fulfilling a need that Enid had where it's like, I need you to find love and date someone and take care of yourself. And it's like, Oh, okay. If I do this, it'll please Enid, regardless of whether or not I want a romantic relationship with someone other than you. Yeah. Well, and I think kind of what you were saying with like Enid being his last chance, I think that's what he also thought about Dana. It was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is, I guess this is it for me. This is probably all like, you know, it's like, I'm not really happy, but this is it. Like, guess we're wearing jeans and going uh, to the movies. Oh my God, that date. The dancing. <laughs> Woo! Oh. <laughs> so fucking awkward. I also just love the, like, can you, can you put, put down your little treat right now? Can you put down the ice cream and just hang out with me and dance with, like, we're, we're interacting. This is, yeah, this is another person trying to break through the shell and hang out with you hat, hat tip to dana the character for, oh yeah for putting in the effort yeah um, and she also, was she was in it much longer than i thought she would be yeah yeah let's you know what cheers to dana cheers to she dana. got out of that relationship and that's a good thing yeah <laughs> on the bright side though seymour does get choked out with some nunchucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he fucking loses it, man. Yeah. Like, he's calling her. He, I can't believe he would go to Rebecca's house. And, like, Rebecca's clearly like, what the fuck, yeah, you right. know? And I totally get, like, her being pissed at Enid and being like, great, I'm going to sabotage this. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you don't know? Like, here's the diary. Yeah. 
also just like the another like the delusional insanity of Seymour of like going to a 7-Eleven to beat up like an 18-year-old. Right. Yeah. It's like you took the only thing I've ever loved. Right. Stop selling those glizzies and get out here and fight me like a man. Dude, he's fucking lost it. Getting choked out with the nunchucks and uh, <laughs> it's like things are escalating insanely and then all of a sudden um like yeah doug is like you know protecting protecting his home you know yeah. like, an intruder has come <laughs> 7-eleven is his like it's his spot and uh yeah like i love he's choking him out and then the owner comes out and he's like what the fuck are you doing and like gets a gun and whatnot and he's like whoa whoa man let's not resort to violence is his response but when doug like defends his territory yeah. i like it's like you just want to stand up and cheer and be like yeah doug you go this yeah. is your home how about those abs He's, he's fucking Those cut. abs. Oh, yeah. And that? Uh, yeah. Mind. Forgot about that. Amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't wear a shirt either. No. <laughs> <laughs> <Be> like... <laughs> I fucking love coming of age movies. What was, what was his first line? He was like, give me, give me two packs of reds. I'm working overtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, is he working overtime or is he just like his lungs just, are working overtime? Like, he's just kind of. He's, he's like, like doing nunchucks in the parking lot. Exactly. Like, yeah, like, Metallica music. Yeah. I got a full schedule here of, uh, yeah, I'm going to swing for four hours. We're going to re listen to Ride the Lightning. <laughs> no. Sun's not even half set yet, my guy. No, there's no way two, pa- two, packs, of, two packs of marbs. <laughs> what do you guys think about the ending of this movie, too? Yeah, we What's haven't this? even talked about yeah. Melvin? Marvin? Norman. 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 Norman? The bus, the bus Marvin? waiter. Okay. The guy at the bus? Yeah, the guy at the bus. Norman. Okay. I love him. Come yeah. On. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's just a metaphor mm-hmm. in the film, but yeah. um, he, he comes out and says, um, Enid's telling him there's no bus here anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's oh, like the cool. whole message of the movie. Nobody <laughs> yeah. knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're talking about. Exactly. Nothing yeah. set in stone. Yeah. No, I love it. Anything it's can like, uh, yeah. And it, it, it brings about the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love this ending. Yep. I think it's perfect. What are the pants? I love the pants. I don't understand. I didn't, I couldn't figure out the pants. The metaphor of the pants. Yeah. I think the metaphor of the pants are um, essentially just. the pants? The, the pants on the ground right by Norman. They're always walking, <gasps> stepping on it as they go by. They're I like, never hey, noticed. Hey, look at the pants. Then there's the guy. Yeah. I think the pants are just like kind of hammering in the thing of becoming a mundane staple. Hmm. No matter how, you know, odd you think you are, like, you know, a pair of pants just randomly on the ground. If you don't make a change, no matter how cool you are and how much manic panic you buy and whatnot, um, <laughs> will eventually just become another part of your small town. You will just become a staple because it's like they comment on it like, oh, that's weird. And it's like, that's not weird. Those have been there for like six months. Mm-hmm. Those pants have always been here. What's weird is you commenting on these pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my, that was my takeaway is just kind yeah. of like, no matter how much you think you stick out, you don't actually try to do something or make a change. Yeah. You're just going to be part of the background. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch all the pan scenes now to figure that out. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, start, I wonder if they're actually conspiracy. in some like crucial scenes where she's, because it's like in three different scenes and in one of them, they don't step on them and mm. two of them they do. So I just have never noticed this and... That kind of goes to what you were saying. Like (laughs) they've always been there. Maybe I've just always been part of Ghost World. Maybe they were just actually just pants on the set that were stuck to the ground. Maybe. (laughs) I would like to think there's more meaning there, but also Enid gets on that bus and she just leaves town. Yeah. Where do we think she goes? Bye bye. 
And that's that's kind of like I I identified with that part of the story because that's mm-hmm. kind of what I did. I fucking left. Mm-hmm. I was like, got the hell out of wherever I was. Oh man, I was wanted to leave, and here I am. <laughs> 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 I'm the Rebecca in the scenario, but like that need to go, like, yeah, I can mm-hmm. really. Oh, very real. I think I think yeah. Enid really needed to go too. Yes, that type of character. Because uh, whether you've been that person or know that person in your life, like that person will always continue to self-sabotage, you know, make things about themselves or whatnot until they finally just, you know, it's like put aside their ego for one second and just move on. Just the minute that they actually have something in life that can make them move on, mm-hmm. nothing better than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's their only opportunity to grow, basically. I mean, that's what we all want for Enid, like... I, I don't want her to stay. I don't want her to get an apartment with Rebecca. Like no. there's nothing for her here. And yep. like, she's, yeah, she's got to get moving. Yeah. What's she going to do? Manage that movie theater? I don't think so. She can't even <laughs> upsell uh, popcorn <laughs> with extra butter. I'm only telling you this because we're such good friends. Exactly. <laughs> I fucking scene. love her attitude. Dude, that I've, scene I've, is having, perfect. Having worked at movie theaters, I wanted to say that to people so oh, much. God. No, her customer interaction is just like <laughs> 10 out of 10. How to get fired. Exactly. Her, her retail skills, you know, it's like a master class. Yeah. <laughs> After about five minutes of this movie, you'll wish you had 10 beers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, the, the most desperate looking guy they got <laughs> to ask for a beer at the movie theater too. Oh man, perfect casting. Ever since movie theaters actually started selling beer, there was one occasion, uh, I, I forget what it was, me and my brother went to a family movie of it. I think it was this last Christmas. We were watching National Lampoons on the big screen. Mm. And uh, I think it was because all the employees were underage. They couldn't serve beer. And we walk up and I'm like, I need a beer. I'm about <laughs> to see a movie with my whole family. And they're like, oh, no, we're, we can't, we're not selling beer today. And it was like my whole world crumbled, even oh, though no. like <laughs> <laughs> movie theaters didn't used to sell beer. I just was like, but I need alcohol to get me through this movie. <laughs> The last film I got really drunk in, which probably shouldn't name names, but Chuck was in it. I mean, um, but that you needed to get hammered. Does Does Taylor know about that one? Uh, I don't know if you know about this. So yeah, we'll I'll play very coy about this. Um, so I'll I'll call it out any names, so you can okay. say whatever. Anyway, so there's a local local person. I won't even name genders. So I'll keep it super. There you go. Super vague. Sure. Okay. So there's a local person who um does theater in the area. They wrote they wrote a script uh for a film. And they've always been very interested in film. And this was like their first real big attempt at doing something. It was like a feature, basically. They had done a short film before, and this was like a sequel to it, basically. Um, Oh, my God, I'm getting way too specific. Anyways, uh, (laughs) premiered on the big screen. See myself up there. I definitely had to get good and shit hammered. And uh, Luke had to come because Luke was like, oh, there's a local local person. Putting their heart and soul into something that never goes well. I have yeah. to see this train, this train wreck. So we just snuck in the little bottles. Uh, you know, yeah, little airplane airplane bottles. Bottles. yeah. But they, they, when they rendered out, they managed. They tried to put movie bars on it, but what they ended up doing was cutting everyone's head off. <gasps> so like half the movie, all of the movie is like we're watching, laughing our fucking. I'm laughing. I never laughed so much in my fucking life. I still think about this is like a life changing moment for yeah. me. The problem is, it's like I, I'm a tall person. I wasn't the only tall person on set. No. So it's like, there's scenes where it's like me and someone having an argument and it's just headless bodies. There are pivotal moments where someone is sitting down 
and speaking to someone and you have no idea who the fuck they're talking to. <laughs> just he mouths Wait, how can I watch this and is there an edit just like I can how you've send described? You, I can send you, uh, this will not be on the Patreon because I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. <laughs> um, I can send you personally the trailer for it because that's all Thanks. I've ever seen out in the wild. And I'll put I the black bars to, back on it too because they took you. them off. So I was pro- And also if they are listening, first of all, Keep keep making movies. I'm oh yeah, please. On you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get better at what you're doing. Like that's how you grow. You just keep doing it. Keep trying. Dust yourself off. Um, but <laughs> if you are listening, nameless, shapeless person, I never got a copy. I was promised a copy of this movie. <laughs> and I would love a copy. <laughs> also, if you give me a copy, we'll do it for the fucking podcast, and you can be on it. Yeah. You can uh, defend yourself there and your go. art. There we go. And there you know, go. tell me. Well, how much of a hack and idiot uh, I am and how I just don't understand anything. And I should just go, you know, maybe I should just go watch fucking Avatar 3 or something because clearly I don't understand art. And if they want to come at me, uh, I've made some dog shit. So. Oh, yeah. Same. Same. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I got nothing to speak on. I got on, nothing but... to hide or prove. Like, yeah. I love your dog shit, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> So uh, back to Ghost World. Anyways, yes, hey. that was a v- vague tirade real quick. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, and hey, you know what? If you want to, maybe the Patreon, we will just be like, oh, and that was, and the name of the movie was, and what, the biggest problem with that is when showed up on set. And let me tell you. <laughs> um, I just have like one award um, going for who won the film. And I, I think Thora Birch. She was in American Beauty. She did extremely well. Great actor. But uh, she had carried this very, very well. Um, and uh, being a young person, and apparently she's been doing, she was in movies her entire, like, young life. Yeah. So Monkey trouble. I had taught <laughs> Two words. That's all I got for monkey <laughs> trouble. Um, and hocus pocus. Yeah, mm-hmm. hocus pocus. And also those two words might be wrong now. I'm like, am I confusing her with another little girl? But yeah, hocus pocus for sure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Scarlett Johansson as well, though. Yeah, they're, only, they're, they're both. I think she was only like child 15 actors. or sixteen yeah. in this movie. Yeah, too, she was fifteen. Which is insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's acting circles around people who are in their thirties and forties in this yeah. movie. She's totally. fucking amazing. Yep. Uh, yeah, man, Thor Birch, one hundred percent for mm-hmm. me. Oh yeah, she wins this movie. She carries this this movie for sure. I have uh, Steve Buscemi in second place, and uh, honorable mention Doug. Oh yeah, oh, of course. I have. I was gonna say, like, I'm gonna give it to Thora Birch for sure, but uh, I just want to stand out. Do it as like a like yeah. an ensemble piece. Like, I want to just take that award and slice it up into itty bits and just give it. You know, give Norman a slice, give Doug a slice, give uh, yeah, fucking Coffee Creep a slice. Like, just yeah, <laughs> everyone in this movie is just everyone understood the homework assignment. Yeah. Yes. Like whether you have like, you know, full scenes as an art teacher or whether you're literally just the guy at the bus who has one line of dialogue. Glad Thor Birch got it. Uh, she like fought tooth and nail to play. Uh, she was originally cast to play Rebecca. Yeah. Um, she actually gained 20 pounds. Oh. I don't mm. think it's necessary, but it's no. like, mm. but it was one of those things of like, I guess she was quote unquote, like, you know, like Hollywood pretty. So that's like, oh, you get to play Rebecca. Like you're a cutie pie kind of thing was I right. think why she was being cast that way. Oh, weird. And she's like, no, 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 I'm going to like, I'm going to look more like how you're probably envisioning the character. Sure. I couldn't imagine that yeah. role swap. swap no, not at all. Thor not playing Enid. I, yeah, she is Enid. Yeah. Like she's just, she was meant to play that role. 
super super early days uh freaking christina ricci as well oh. as uh these ones are weird christina ricci would have been great but yeah claire danes and also who alicia silverstone were also considered all the play you knew. don't see it they they considered alicia silverstone for everything yeah exactly okay. i think that's just that, the time like, yeah sure didn't matter what yeah that would have been a completely different movie yeah christina ricci is like the one person i'm like oh yeah i, Possibly, I can see right? that oh yeah. Yeah. yeah also nathan lane was considered to play seymour <laughs> should have been fucking weird <laughs> just as creepy yeah, also, yeah yeah i was gonna say yeah just creepy, as creepy maybe? but but just kind of like maybe even sadder possibly because yeah. it's like i just sit there with my old jazz records <laughs> hakuna matata <laughs> like just like starts like i feel like he would yeah it would be so <laughs> weird it would be so weird i wouldn't be able to take it seriously no uh, there's no way I think it would have been creepier in this weird way. Like, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. Steve Buscemi, like, so Steve weird. Buscemi's likable desperate? Yeah. I feel like Nathan Lane would be desperate desperate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the colors in this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just every shot is an art piece. Like, all, like, the props, the set design, everything is just, like, so, it's curated so beautifully you do feel like you're in a comic book and yeah i wanted i wanted every single outfit indian wore in that <laughs> movie i still do her room i everything about her room i was so envious about <laughs> yeah i just love it her green lips everything yeah Man, just it's a visually be, stunning movie it's gotta be so fun to like work on a quote-unquote comic book movie just because like <laughs> You've got the, not only do you have like the source material, you know, the script there, but you've got your shot list there. You've just got like, so it's like when people, and I'm not a huge comic book movie fan necessarily, but it's like when people fuck up them up really badly, it's like, how? You literally had a storyboard, man. <laughs> like literally, like this is like, oh, this is the first shot of the movie. It's like, apparently we're doing a close up of this like, you know, person sweating. Then we're cutting to the window. Then we're doing, you know, it's like, you've got it laid out. Yeah, it's like purposely oversaturated to make it look more like a comic book movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like I like the design of the film very much. Yeah, it's also the first comic book movie uh, or graphic novel ever to be nominated for an Oscar. Really? Wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, adapted screenplay didn't win though. No, but it got nominated. But I, it must have been fun to be a props person on the set because like there are so many. Like the more I watch it, the more I notice these weird little props, and there's so many because. Enid and Seymour are both collectors and yeah, pack yeah. rats, you know? So, like, you just see so many cool little things. One record in her when Enid does her uh, garage sale. Did you notice the Emily record? No. I encourage you to go back and just... I, I just saw it. I didn't know what it was. Me? Neither. I don't know <laughs> if this thing is real or the, if someone created this. But it's Emily, just like, like Emily fake. Strange kind of thing or no? No. no. It's, it's, it's a weird, obscure record. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, the, was it the tiny she face lifts on a tiny... it up, like she's going through and Rebecca lifts it up and it just says Emily and like cursive with an exclamation point, I think. And then it's just like, it's purple and then a circle and it's this woman's face and she's smiling with these big cheeks <laughs> looking up into the sky it's like it's really off-putting yeah. and like cool and i want to know <laughs> what the fuck it is <laughs> anyways yeah. just i'm glad you noticed i did i, noticed, like, I watched it today again i was like what the fuck is that how have i never <laughs> seen that yeah it's uh they, like someone's rifling through the, the records eating and selling and just 
one of the records. That's a kids gets, gets like a one I'm second. I'm gonna find an image and I'm gonna show it to yeah. you after this. The one I did notice is there's like a when she's at the first like uh, garage sale where she you know encounters Seymour for the first re- time one on one, which also something we didn't touch on. Oh, the mongoose isn't for sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they do a callback to it. It's great. Yeah, exactly. It's she's like, oh, no, that's not for sale. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just on the records really quick, like, yeah, she's flicking through like, oh, you know, a bunch of stupid blues, da, 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 da. And the first one she actually picks up and looks at, which I don't know if this is a real thing or not, but it's like the R. Crumb, like, family band, basically. So it's like, yeah, I remember like that too. Robert Crumb having, like, a musical act is such a weird concept. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good reference. Yeah. Got any other cool stuff? Taylor? Me? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we didn't really touch upon the uh, the hospital scene and, like, the kind of aftermath of Seymour. We kind of talked about his, like, breaking point, right. what happens. Um, and, like, yeah, him ending up in the hospital and Enid going to visit him and, like, you know, clearly f- feeling bad and calling him her hero, which, like, I have, like, kind of mixed feelings about, you know, because I'm just, like, Part of me is like, are they trying, are they, is she saying that so like the audience can look at Seymour in a better light after he just like fucked this like, <laughs> like, I guess she's 18, but like, it, it, I don't know. It almost seems like it's like, oh, we have to redeem like oh, yeah. Seymour in the eyes right. of the audience. And it's like, why? You don't need to. Thing. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, no. We gotta like, we gotta fix this. Yeah. And, and then like, he, he is like humiliated at the end of this movie mm-hmm. kind of like it, yeah and I don't even know if I even feel bad for him you know in this way at all but like his mom's picking him up from like oh yeah his mom's <laughs> oh from, Jesus but from the therapy session I was gonna say I love though that like regardless of you know whether or not people are still stuck in their ways or like you know haven't fully changed or completely finish their character arc or anything like that i do love that you do get like everyone nothing's wrapped up perfectly and neatly mm-hmm. but everyone you see everyone at least starting to grow starting mm-hmm. to make an attempt like yeah rebecca's like she's got her own place dude she's maybe slaving away in a coffee shop but she's fucking killing it and she's living on her own she's doing what she wanted to do mm-hmm. enid finally skips town which is what she should have done a long time ago mm-hmm. and then fucking seymour's going to therapy which like is a huge step regardless of you know whether or not like his mother's giving him a ride it's still like oh yeah no that guy should have uh been dealing with some demons for uh, quite some time so it's good that he's letting go he's uh talking it out finally with somebody holy shit totally yeah i forgot about that part yeah and also on the bright side yeah like not defending what happened but maybe he was like maybe as a character he did have that moment of like oh this is my bottom (laughs) like i slept with like a girl that is almost underage that i like didn't groom but you know it's a, it's a very gray area of what's going on there should know i better. tried to assault yeah. a teenager yeah yeah, so yeah. it's like okay this is my this is my bottom yeah yeah it's time hopefully to fix he me. realizes that it was an inappropriate relationship exactly yeah i didn't write this down and i maybe you guys saw this in the trivia but uh the pr- the producers is that like those are the people that usually like make the suggestion is it the producers like the who makes a suggestion that is never good 
Usually the, the producer is studio. Like the studio. Yeah. The studio. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. I am not a movie person <laughs> in okay. this way. Um, the studio had a really interesting um, suggestion for the ending of the film, which was to have a double marriage between Rebecca and Josh and Enid and Seymour oh, at the what? end of the film. Yeah. Ooh, that was actually no. suggested like... And of course they didn't go with it because yeah. like what the fuck and it's like wow these people like did not get this movie at all and also yeah. gross. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that I not in a million years would I come up with that. We need butts right? and seats. We need romance. Right. <laughs> we need yeah. We need a big happy ending. Of course they get wet. They're two crazy kids in love, and it's like well one of them's like forty five and the other one's like maybe <laughs> seventeen and a half. Now nah, they're two crazy kids in love. They get wet. It's great. They can get on the bus after they get married. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, ew. Yeah, Yuck mm-hmm. City. Wow, I did not know that. Don't like that at all. That's bizarre. Well, <laughs> how, that's got to be someone in a studio. Uh, so, yeah. Sweet Jesus. No. That's like, yeah, someone's assistant told them about the movie they're about to start making for the company. And it's like, oh, yeah, so you're, uh, uh, what is it, like... Spirit Earth? Yeah, Spirit Earth. Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. We love it. We read it. Um, it's amazing. You guys are green white. It's going to be fun. But what if we change the... Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a slightly parodied in um, Barton Fink. Yeah. Is there, is there a kid? There's got to be a kid. There's exactly. got to be a love interest or a dog. <laughs> yeah, there's come up all these. Oh, I fucking love Barton Fink. We should do Barton Fink. Definitely doing Colin movies. Uh, yeah, well, let's just go through um, the uh, live, monitor, kill. Yeah. Taylor? I, I have to let this movie live. Chuck? Oh, this movie lives with bells on. Like, as I said, like, it just gets better exponentially every time I see it. I take something new away from it. Every time I see it too, I get more introspective in myself where I just, I'm like, oh, now that I am in my, you know, like mid thirties, I'm like, oh, like, oh, really? Like, oh, was I, I was that big of a shit bag when I was like <laughs> 17. Okay. Okay. And then like seeing more of myself in some of the older characters too, or like people who maybe when I first saw this movie, when I didn't get it or when I saw it again, when I was like 17 or whatever. And it was just like, oh, ha, ha, like, look at the fucking creep or the weirdo or the loser. And it's like, man, they're just trying to get by. Yeah. Like, even, even the creepy dude in the wheelchair who, you know, uh, <laughs> comes in for his cheated <laughs> trivia coffee. Like, you know, man, <laughs> that guy doesn't have a whole lot happening. Like, let him have his free coffee. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, we're all just trying to make do. Yeah. This might blow your minds, but uh, I'm going to let it live, too. <laughs> oh, hey. yeah. No way. <laughs> no, I have I have deep, profound, nostalgic connection to this film. Me too. It uh, it it probably guided my life decisions in some way. Yeah. Always, I always get on the bus. Thanks. Yeah, that's just that's just me. Yeah, to anyone listening, always get on the bus. Yeah. Unless you're running away from like real uh, real problems, um, maybe don't get on the bus if <laughs> if getting on the bus means like ditching your. Uh, infant child or something like that maybe sure good, sure. good save good yeah. bring, bring the baby on the bus but if there's no yeah if there's no baby involved get on the bus yeah um, i i really i really love this movie yeah and i think i always will so yeah yeah we'll we'll talk about it again in 10 years and then we'll cool. um and with that uh thank you everybody for listening please check out our patreon there's a post show discussion there are a bunch of them on there for money. <laughs> for money. <laughs> we, we need money. We need a fourth microphone. Yeah. Um, 
We need to pay for the microphones we already have. Exactly. Can't make a GoFundMe. Those are for uh, when people get hurt. I feel really <laughs> so bad putting oh, yeah. a GoFundMe out for when I'm not dying. So. Exactly. No, when I see it, it's, can't do that. It's also a sick, 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 sick uh, state of affairs when it's just like you can't use something like I uh, feel. Yeah, again, like I feel bad where it's like, oh, why is this? Why is this celebrity trying to get this passion project funded right. when it's like Jimmy has cancer? <laughs> Or like, we can't bury Helen <laughs> because as a society, we don't have the ability or the money or the just, you know, social wherewithal to just, we just got to bury Helen, man. We can't and, charge people to bury Helen. And, we just got to put her with, in the ground. And with that, I have been Luke Loans. I have been Taylor Diffendorfer. And as always, uh, ruining all the fun, I have been Chuck Starzynski. And we have been Thank the Nostalgia Killers. Been